Shepherding Chaos, the Retail 247 podcast. Embracing change in the world of retail tech. Hello, I'm Martin Schofield. Welcome to another episode of Shepherding Chaos. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Retail 247, and once again, I'm joined by Alan Morris, non-exec director of Retail 247. This time around, I'm going to let Alan take the lead as we discuss the subject of supplier or partner. Alan. Hi, Martin. Um, I've been wondering recently about what, when suppliers, when tech suppliers talk about their relationships with retailers as a partnership, what actually makes a partnership? And does a supplier really have a partnership? Or is it actually just a marketing slogan? What do you think? Uh, yeah, difficult. I mean, obviously, uh, in a lot of instances, it, it is that just, they're just words. Um, but I think a true partnership is defined by, well, from a supplier perspective, it's defined by empathy. Empathy for you know, the understanding of the industry where we work. So, you know, retailers talking about retail things. It's about mutual trust and and, um, and you know, being aware of each other's areas of expertise. And it's about treating um, them each other fairly. I mean, yeah, we are not a charity. We need to get paid at the end of the day. Um, so, uh, you know, if you start off with a confrontational um, way, there are inevitably our casualties. So I think it's about empathic behaviour is my summary. Yeah. So given given the fact of uh, yeah, the opening comment of retail, you know, so partnerships, is it is it something real or is it just a slogan? And you said that in some instances it's words. Try and bring some of those words you just used to life. Give me some sort of, of, of practical examples. Some of the things that you know, in any partnership, in, in any <clears throat> in any walk of, of life, whether it's business or personal, yeah, it's a two-way street. People need to bring specifics to that partner partnership from both sides, from the supplier and the client. So, give me give me some practical examples of what really a supplier needs to to bring to the table. Uh, yeah, good questions. Um, I suppose my general view and where I get most frustrated is where. You know, we talk about being able to deliver things. So I'm going back to being, you know, when I was a CIO, effectively, being told we can deliver things, uh, being told that uh, our areas of expertise. But as soon as you deviate from that promise, you know, there's another bill. There's another, you know, we should have thought that in the first place discussion. And in reality, you know, a true partnership is about the supplier. And I use the supplier term as in partner. Um, being confident enough to challenge, put their opinion forward. But equally um, confident enough to say, yeah, you know, you were right. We made a mistake. Um, it's our fault. It, we'll pick up the cost for this one. We'll just make it right. Because sometimes things are just, just just the right thing to do. You know, it, it doesn't have to be about you know, breathing an extra three breaths, costing you an extra five hundred quid. Mm. It's it's interesting when you talk about challenge. You know, what? Um, I, I... Well, actually, I suppose these are a challenge. Don't just interrupt because you know it, it, we we as a, as a supplier are being hired for either our technical expertise or our business expertise, or usually a combination of the both. Um, yeah. you know, and, and if and if we're not bringing anything to the party, then then, then what are we doing there? So we we. we have collective confidence in the, the experience that we have as a company um, and the supplier is tapping into that sorry the customer is tapping into that for their for their own gain so you know there has to be an expectation and a trust that, that we can deliver something of value to that process yeah I think the excuse me, the technology understanding I think is for a uh, for technology supplier it's going to sound pretty uh, pretty obvious is, is, is absolutely a given. 
Yeah, you, you, can't work, uh, you can't work in the technology sector unless you understand technology. Well, yeah, but it has to be done with con- context, is a word I like to use. Yeah, you know, technology is applied in different ways in different industries and yeah. in different, in different styles. And, and, you know, to be able to understand the context of technology in that industry. I suppose that's, why, uh, that, I suppose that's why that's the point I'm coming to. You know, to me, the differentiator has always been yeah, in this in the retail setting. If technology, knowledge, skills, and experience is a given, then yeah, where's the variable? And the variable is the understanding of, of retail. And I've had this discussion a number of times with people about how important it is for the technology supplier to understand retail. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll reiterate two words that I've used so far. It's just context and it's empathy. Yeah. Um, it's so about what, the application of technology in a, in a particular to solve a particular problem. You know, we're not we're not sending people. We're not we're not flying helicopters on Mars, as I've been reading about this morning. <laughs> we're, we're we're selling clothes and selling products. Um, you know, the, and we treat technology products in a different way. You know, we know it's not a ten-year program to fly to Mars. It's a hang on a minute. How do we launch this for different promotion next week? So there are different styles and different understanding of the empathy of the industry. So how can a retailer? It's easy to check somebody's technical credentials. But how does a retailer check a supplier's retail credentials? Mm, yeah, again, difficult. How do, you catch, how do you trust anything? I mean, every supplier will tell you how wonderful they are, you know, as do we. Um, but uh, and I suppose we're, only, we're, we're wonderful to, in certain circumstances. You know, we might not fit to every every uh, need, every project. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, but I, I, I guess, I guess that... Sorry. Sorry, no, as I say, but the, but the thing, that I guess how we, we judge people very quickly, inevitably, you know, and I've been involved in many selection programmes, and you, you tick all the boxes and you, you listen to all the words, but at the end of the day, you get a good feel as to whether you like somebody and likes the proposition. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, so, so there's that initial judgment, and then very quickly into a project, you get the true supplier coming to the surface. You get to, to know whether they're, they're going to achieve the things we talked about earlier, whether they're going to deliver stuff that they promise, if they make a mistake, whether they're going to own that mistake and fix it, that sort of thing. Yeah, I want to come back to to that point in a, in a moment, but just to sort of keep on this uh, this this retail, the, the real retail credentials, real retail knowledge. I in the past I've worked on a, a number of uh, projects with uh, a number of different businesses where the uh, one of their uh, their partners is, is a, a very big supplier. I won't, I won't name uh, I won't name names, um, but if anybody wants to, email, the, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give the I'll give the names. But they they come along with their retail practice, and uh, so their retail specialists come along. And I remember one particular instance we were working on a project with a small retailer who was partnering with a with a much bigger retailer. The much bigger retailer had outsourced their tech to uh, to a really big, uh, well-known uh, worldwide supplier. And they came along with their retail practice to, to the meeting. And uh, after a few meetings, so a few months down, down the line, we were advised that the team who were working on the project were moving uh, to uh, to another project. They were moving from this retail project to uh, to work on uh, on a, uh, a government, uh, government services contract. Um, which the, the business had just won. So they're obviously their A team and they're moving on to, uh, to something different. Which then sort of throws questions well, if you move from a retail project to a non retail project, yeah, how much of a retail specialist are you? 
Yeah, is a retail is retail specialism actually shown by the fact that somebody goes into retail and never comes out of it? Like you, for example, and, and me, and many other people who have always worked in the retail sector. You know, do, do you actually need people in your organisation as a supplier to say we are real, really true retail specialists when people can't go and jump ship and go work in a government services contract because they've always worked in retail? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I suppose I'd only caveat that slightly with it's good to be aware of than other industries and technology application in other industries and we've done some work outside of retail recently and you know the core sets of technology are transferable and the core sets of logic are transferable um, and, and it's good to bring back thoughts from other industries into your sector but yeah you know we're still retail at heart uh, and, our, and our collective experience is best put to use when we look at the retail sector yeah okay um the um the point I was going to come back to that you you started to uh, to make was when um, when when the selection process, you know, the court, you know, the courtship process, when a when a, a new a retailer starts to look for uh, new suppliers and uh, a new supplier starts to uh, starts you know starts to pitch their uh, pitch yeah. their wares, yeah, there's obviously a selection process that the retailer goes through. Um, yeah, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. And I'm saying that from a supplier's perspective. Yeah, sometimes the questions you get asked are really thought-provoking, really make you think. And, and actually, the answer will give some real insight to the retailer. But actually, quite often, the questions that are asked, often by uh, external consultancies as part of the supplier process, they, they never really uh, extract any useful insight. They ask you questions which you can easily answer if you yeah if it's a product you know asking if it's a supply chain solution or a pin solution asking if the product if the product uh, solution can create products and prices and attributions and stuff is a bit nonsensical when you look at how many times it's been installed and how many supplies it's got the answers of course it can there were more detailed questions than that but leaving that to one side yeah other times you know, should they should a supplier select the clients they want to work with carefully if they want to work in a true partnership or does everything kind of can a supplier make every client relationship into a partnership mm. yeah w- would we like to be in a position to turn down work i think is your question yeah. Uh, so so yeah <laughs> difficult isn't it i mean you, you you because you are confident you you like to think you can turn any project into success um but yeah i think logically the, yes you're right at the end of the day if there isn't a mutual meeting of minds and, and shared you know, a desire to achieve an end game, then, and yeah, you're, you're destined for failure and you should probably have to be brave enough to, to call it a day early on. Now, uh, I guess part of the selection process should should naturally whittle that out. But yeah, yeah, uh, it would be nice to think that if you saw that there was little hope of achieving a mutually beneficial end game, then yes, you, you would decline or you would be in a position to say, hang on, we can't work in this way. How's about this for an alternative? Yeah. Do you think that that's, um, you know, that certainly, re- re- for me, retail's always been about, uh, from, from a retail perspective, the best retailers have been the ones who are able to uh, have and react to gut instinct. I'm not talking about knee-jerk yeah. reactions, although the industries can sometimes be prone to knee-jerk reactions because it's so dynamic, but but actually people go with gut feelings, you know. So as, when you were uh, when you were on the retail side of the fence, you know, I'm sure that you create, you you, uh, you had a gut feel about a supplier who came to pitch to you pretty quickly in the process in the first five minutes of meeting them, maybe? Of course you do, yeah. Same, same as interviewing people, isn't it? We're all honest. 
you know, pretty quickly, you know, seconds, minutes, whether that person's going to gel with you, whether that person's going to fit into the team dynamic. Uh, the same applies to selection programs. Although I would, again, caveat that with the fact that written submissions are completely different to the verbal presentation. You know, written submissions are uh, how, how good a person you've got to deliver, uh, you know, put a PowerPoint slide together to write a document. But obviously when you get face-to-face and you get into a more of a stand-up question and answer session, then it's the, the, the person's true you know, knowledge and depth of knowledge becomes the light. I've seen I've seen section programs where you've had brilliant written submissions. The the collective board thinks that they're going to be the number one tick box exercise and come out the other end as you know, the their bottom of the list because you know the, the packs put together by a, a you know a, an ex, a set of experts of pack production, but in reality, the people that would deliver the the the, the project are the same caliber. I, I, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's a really important point. And the fact that, uh, I, I suppose, it, yeah, Kate, you, you see people who go in with, with big pitch teams and, uh, and they really are the, uh, the A team, the best people the, uh, the, the supplier might have available at the time, given the opportunity. But actually, when the opportunities won, the A team move off. The yeah. move in to begin with, and before you know it, you've got the uh, you've got the uh, the C team who come in to try to deliver. So the promise is the expectation set, and never mind. Yeah. And I suppose I, uh, yeah, that that feels like a good time to say, and that's why small companies are better. But uh, that's a little bit cliche because obviously we are relatively small. But you know, when you're working with smaller people, smaller people, smaller companies, um, and and I say this from being a CIO, then you you are seeing the people that are going to deliver it. You're seeing the chief executive of the company. You're seeing yeah. the end ability of that organisation rather than just the select few who are delivering a certain piece of the, the equation. That's absolutely right. And one, and one day, maybe offline, or maybe we should do it online one day, is, is the fact that you used to be my, uh, <laughs> my client in another yeah. line. There are always exceptions there. <laughs> you, can, you can tell me just what a great job I did of convincing you that it would be a great partner to work with. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting, uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting dynamic, but I, I, I do think that, uh, yeah, in, in sort of, let's try and summarise this now, that for, and especially given where uh, we retail is at the moment and where the economy is and where the world is the idea of unity and everybody pulling together to a common cause whether you're part of the client or part of the supplier is absolutely uh, is absolutely critical so this idea of uh, partnerships is is vital isn't it yeah, it is it's, it's lots of words that spring into mind it's you know, going back to the empathy thing but it's also it's pride you know, we, we as a and particularly, I suppose me as a you know uh, more more time on your on the on the customer side of the fence and the supplier side of the fence, it's just it's just delivering stuff that's good. You know, it's, it's the pride that we are delivering a solution or a service that makes a difference, that adds some value, and isn't just a tick box exercise. I've worked with, you know, uh, again being careful what to say. I've worked in in in, in projects where. Um, you know, you're three months into the process, you're seen the first deliverable and it's ridiculously slow. And I've had literally had conversations where the, the supplier has said, well, the spec didn't say it had to be fast, did it? And I thought, well, it's not really the point, is it? So, you know, you need pride in delivery, pride in delivering the best service and the best solution you possibly can. 
Yeah, you do, and I, and I do think. And I, I don't go, go back to your uh, you know, your points about this being a cliche. I, I think I don't know if it's pride, but you certainly get ownership where the layers between the people actually on the projects and the people running the company are few and transparent. So that if you're the supplier, so if you're the client, and you do have a problem and you don't think it's getting addressed properly, the idea that you can go to the uh, yeah you can, you can go to the chain very very quickly to get to the point that the person you have to make a decision because yeah invariably it's probably their business there's a lot of value to, to be had and, and i'm not saying that just because yeah obviously retail 247 is uh, is still uh, still in that bracket but even you know when I was with uh, with retail assist, yeah, we started. Yeah, we started with uh, with no clients, and we built up with yeah, more clients over the years. And the biggest challenge was trying to maintain that closeness between the business and the clients. But also, again, you made a point right at the beginning that yeah, suppliers have to make money. Yeah, I think sometimes there's probably uh, there's a view that some some clients feel that they they've got a great supplier partnership where the supplier seems to be doing everything for nothing. Well, you can't do that for very long because the supplier will so yeah it's got to be one thing you've got to bring to the table is openness about how the commercial deal works for you so yeah, and the cliche win-win it's got to be it's got to be success on both sides it has got to be it has got to be a win-win situation i remember uh Joseph uh, Wang at uh, Harvey Nichols saying that to me once in a conversation, the relationship has to be win-win. And I thought, yeah, he's absolutely right. It is, uh, it is, yeah, it's vital mm. for the both yeah. sides. Get so you've out got bills to pay. Mm. Yeah, you've got to. I guess, I'll, just, I'll just chip in before you wind up, to the, back to the piece about um, delivering stuff for free or delivering stuff because it's the right thing to do. We, And this is a little bit of a sales pitch, but it's not really. We, we recently dropped our you know, new RFID solution into a, into a customer. We'll talk about which customer later when we've gone beyond trial. Um, but as part of an RFID pilot, you, you have to go in and take the overhead of re-ticketing the store. You have to put new RFID tags on the thousands and thousands and thousands of units in those trial stores, you know, because you're not going to put in place source tagging for a trial. Um, long story short, I set up four of our team, actually three of our team, plus my daughter, uh, where I was going to go. Um, but to, to, re, to re-tag two stores recently, we didn't charge for it. It was just the right thing to do. You know, we, it was in our interest to get our pilot off the ground. The supplier, the customer had put a lot of faith in us to deliver um, something that was going to be beneficial. That you taken a leap of faith that we could write that for them. And they were our first customer. So, you know, reciprocal faith. We, we helped with the process of ticketing the store. You know, and I had people that are, you know, BAs and project managers doing a, doing a, a, a four days solid, doing a manual ticketing exercise. And, you know, it's just the right thing to do sometimes. But of course it is, yeah. If you're, if you're making bold statements to uh, to somebody about how wonderful your system can be, um, but you haven't actually got any, uh, yeah, it's brand new to the market, you've actually got to get in there and, uh, and, and demonstrate it to them. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, so you do have to go that extra mile. Yeah, I suppose, but then you've got to be. Yeah, obviously, yeah, you, you've got to set the expectation that that's that's that trial, and then going forward, it has to be done differently. But yeah, we're, not, we're not, not going to write the rest of the stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then I have to say, some of my uh, some of the most enjoyable times I've had in my career is when you actually do go out into stores and spend time working yeah. in stores and doing something real and seeing the sharp end of the of the of the solution you've been developing. Well, that's it. That's how, that's how you acquire empathy. Huh? Yeah. yeah, it is absolutely right. Okay. Well, yeah. So I suppose the. Uh, yeah, there's the, the point here is that supplier partnerships, uh, supply client partnerships truly can work. 
as long as both as long as both parties know what they want to get out of it, and uh, they they share this and they're open and uh, and work together and you know do some great things, yeah, achieve some great things. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it was good great. to speak, and uh, I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Tan. See you in the real world. Yeah. Uh, yes. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Shepherding chaos. The Retail 247 Podcast. Join us next time for more tech views and insights from the people who know.